Turn to Luke, please, this evening. Book of Luke and the fifth chapter. In Luke 5, Jesus was speaking in uh, verse 12 and 13. You got some red letters, don't you? Verse 13. It came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city, verse 12, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. We've been on a series for some weeks now called God's will to heal. God's will to heal. And this man is full of leprosy. Now that means that he is considered terminal, hopeless, no cure, just a matter of days till he's gone. And enduring all these symptoms. But the reason he's in the book is because he did not just sit home and say, well, there's no use. I've been to five doctors. They all give me the same report. I got a second, third, fourth, and ninth opinion. And I've exhausted all the treatments and I'm in the 47th stage of this. And it's just, that's it. No. He got out of the house. Somebody say, got out of the house. Got out of the house. Made the trip. And uh, just came right on up to Jesus. You know, you got to have a certain amount of boldness. Don't you? What some people call humility is nothing in the world but fear. Timidity and fear. And Timothy said, God did not give us the spirit of timidity, the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you notice people in the gospel accounts that got their miracles and got healed, they're people that got up, stood up. Got out of the house and came. Chased Jesus down. Yelled from the street corner, Jesus, over here, over here. People said, shut up, shut up. They said, Jesus. (laughs) The devil wants you to shut up and be quiet and sit down and die. He wants you to be quiet and be nice. Don't bother anybody and perish quietly. Faith stands up. Faith pushes through the crowd. Faith tears the roof off the house. Come on. Faith just won't quit. Faith won't lay down and die. Faith won't give up and agree that the money's not going to come. Faith won't agree with you that there's no hope and there's no way. You think about those guys that brought the man on the stretcher. Remember the four that brought the man that's paralyzed? And they, Jesus is in the house and he's ministering. They could hardly get to the door. The place is packed and they can't get in. How many people you think would have just turned around and went home? Hmm? Would have said, well, we tried. That's all you can do is try. Just must not have been the Lord's will. I really get irritated 
<laughs> with all of these people that everything they do or don't do some way or another results in the perfect will of God. <laughs> there are millions of folks. They're lazy and nothing happens. And their being lazy produced the will of God. They yielded to their flesh and sinned and broke the law and messed up. And now this mess in their life is the mysterious, unexplainable will of God. Everything you do produces the will of God. Everything you don't do produces the will of God. I, like the King James says, I trow not. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) We have been for weeks now looking to answer this question that this leprous man in his so-called terminal condition, he looked at Jesus, he said, you can do this. You could heal me if you would. And now, how many centuries later, millions of Christians are praying just like this leper. And apparently did not read the next verse. Huh? Did you read the next verse? Because Jesus answered the man's question. Didn't he? And if he answered his question... And had it recorded in the Bible for all generations. It's an answer to your question. Yes it is. Hmm? Yes, it is. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he is no respecter of persons. If he said it then, he's saying it now. If he said it to him, he's saying it to you. Millions, millions of good people. They love God. Thoroughly saved. Love God. But saying, Lord, heal them. Heal me if it be thy will. Is it true or not? Millions of Christians pray. Why? Because they do not believe they can know or I can know or any of us can know whether or not it's God's will for them to be healed. So how are we going to find out the will of God? They'll tell you, even if they don't say it in these words, well, ever how it turns out. That's the will of God. Well, that's the same basic thing that Muslim terrorists believe. That everything that happens is the will of Allah. Everything. And if it wasn't his will, he wouldn't let me blow this place up. But if I'm able to blow it up, it obviously was God's will. Millions believe this. And sadly, millions of Christians believe the very same thing. Different words, but it's the same principle. You do not ascertain the will of God by what you have or have not experienced. Come on now. You do not find the will of God by what anybody else has or has not experienced. The Word of God reveals the will of God. It is the only safe place to find the will of God. And this leper, (laughs) 
He's on the right track because instead of asking theologians or relatives or friends or acquaintances what they think about the will of God, he went straight to the Word. Didn't he? Isn't he talking to the Word? The Word made flesh. And he, he came and asked the Word. He said, great Word. I know you can heal me. If you will. And the word that cannot change. The word that lasts forever. Said. I will. People can write all the books they want to. And they can tell all the testimonies about how God put it on them and taught them something through it that they want to. But this towers above all the reason and experience of men and women from every generation. This is the answer to the question. Jesus reached out, touched this man in this terminal condition, hopeless condition. He said... Don't you know he was glad to hear these words? He said, Jesus, I know you can. You could make me perfectly whole of this mess if you would. If it was your will. Jesus reaches out his hand. Puts it on this stinking, quivering, diseased flesh. He said, I will be clean. And immediately, that stinking devilish jump left him, and he was clean, and he lived, finished out his life. You do not serve a different Jesus from this one. This is your Jesus. This is the Jesus you gave your heart and life to. This is the Jesus you confess as Lord, and he never told anybody, I won't. And he never will. Men have concocted these doctrines that sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait a while, and you just never know. And why have they concocted these doctrines? Based on other people's and their own experiences. What they have experienced and what they have not experienced. And they are elevating their experiences above the word of God. Friend, you've got to make up your mind. You know, anybody that's ever made advances in God and received of God's will has had to do this. I know Phyllis and I struggled financially. Year after year after year, we're married, even in Bible school, even after Bible school, just struggled, struggled, struggled financially. And finally, I got fed up with being broke. (laughs) I kept pouring this word in me, and it kept telling me that God wanted me rich. The more I studied it, the more I saw it. I did not see it in my life. I saw the opposite. And we're saved and we love God and are in the ministry serving the Lord and broke. Are you with me? Now I got a choice. I can either explain it away that I'm suffering for Jesus because my work in the Lord is so important. Half the devil's in hell are working overtime to keep me broke. 
And I'm just giving it all up for Jesus. And some, in any way you cut it, some way or another, it's God's will. The way it is. Y'all are too quiet. I can accept somebody else's explanation. Well, those, not that money is just a distraction to serve in God. Let me tell you what's a distraction. <laughs> Creditors calling and ain't got no money. Got meetings to do and ain't got no money to get out of town or, that's a distraction. Well, brother, it's just not always God's will for everybody to have money. I mean, you don't know really what you need. Well, I reckon if you got bills due, you ought to have enough sense to know they need to be paid. People just get stupid in church, don't they? Nowhere else would be that dumb. They just to believe all this stuff. But I remember coming in one day, falling across the bed in our little house. I said, Lord, this is not your will. That's right. I know it's what we've been experiencing for years, but this is not your will. Right. I see it in your word. Yes. It's not your fault. Right. Have mercy on me. Yes. I mean, I've been to Bible school. I'm in the ministry. I can quote a few verses to you. What does that mean? I said, Lord, what I don't know, show me. What I'm missing, have mercy on me. If you've already shown me and I haven't been doing it, forgive me. Show me again, please. Help me. But I'm setting my face. If you bought and paid for my prosperity, I'm going to have it. If you became poor so I could be rich, I'm going to have it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to say it. I don't care how long before I see it. I'm going to say it and believe it and pursue it. Oh, come on now, friend. What did I determine? I determined this is the will of God. Not what I've been experiencing. Not what somebody else is trying to explain away. This tells me the will of God. And instead of watering down this book. To match what I haven't experienced. Or match somebody's so-called unanswered prayer. Or so-called faith failure. This didn't work or that didn't work. Instead of listening to all that. I'm going to say God I don't know all that. But I know this. This is true. Raise me up to match this. Bring my life and experience up. To match what I read in here. This is the will of God for me. And you got to be willing to say it. Year after year. And it still not look like it. Are you with me or not? Well I tried that. And I didn't see any difference. So I tried it steady for three weeks. And I couldn't tell a difference. Nah. It tried you. And you failed. You quit. You got to make up your mind. You believe it. Not based on what you see. Or you don't see. The will of God. Is revealed by the word of God. Hmm. Do you understand this or not? It's not based on me. Not based on your pastor or your preacher. No matter what I do or I don't do, this is still the will of God. Must what you plan on doing. Nothing ignorant. I'm just saying. 
based, your brothers, your sisters, ministers, friends. I, a lady come to me crying one time. She said, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Ain't so-and-so, she called her name, was such a wonderful woman. And she didn't get healed. Tell about her aunt. And she said, why didn't she get healed? I said, I don't know. Well, she said, well, it must not have been the will of God. I said, oh, no. No, no, we can't change the Bible. And see, that's what preachers have tried to do in their mind to assuage people's grief and try to give them an answer. But not you nor me nor any man has a right to change this book. Well, it must not have been the will of God. If it was the will of God, it would have turned out different. Millions are dying and going to hell. You going to tell me that's the will of God? Well, if it was the will of God for them to be saved, then they wouldn't have been lost, right? No. Said out loud, I don't find the will of God by my experiences or lack of experience or what has happened to anybody else or didn't happen to them. I find the will of God in the Word of God. And it never changes. I'll always believe it. No matter what I see. Or don't see. Now when you get set like this. Things don't move you. Hmm? And you know what you believe in. And you will get results. I said you will get results. Because his word cannot fail. Hallelujah. Uh, brother. Hagen, my father in the faith, and some of you the same, uh, when God raised him up off that bed at age 16, paralyzed condition, deformed heart, incurable blood disease, he went to school. He was skin and bones, could barely make it, even after he was healed, even weeks and weeks after he was healed. He could barely walk, barely get from class to class. And... Uh, so he said the principal called him in one time because the teachers were afraid that he looked so bad. They called him a walking skeleton. They thought he's going to fall out of the desk dead in their classroom and they didn't want that to happen. And, and they wanted the principal to do something about this. He called him in and he said, uh, son, I, you know, we admire you. And everybody says, what amazing willpower that you have. You just up by sheer willpower. He looked at the principal and said, no, sir, I'm not going on willpower. I'm standing on the word of God. <laughs> and this word cannot fail. Because it cannot fail, I'm not going down. It's not going down and I'm not going down. Glory to God. And he made it through that week and he made it through the next month. And he finished school and 60 plus years of ministry. Glory to God. Same thing will work for you. Same thing will work for me. Can you say amen? Amen. But you can't let the enemy or any man or woman or any experience talk you out of this word. This is it. This is what our life is built on. Can you say amen? Amen. What did Jesus tell him? I I will. Be healed. Be clean. What's he telling you? What's he telling every man or woman that's ever lived? I will. will. We're answering the question. Is it God's will for all to be healed? How would you find it? Ask this other question. Is it God's will for all to be saved? 
Is it? Are all saved? No. It's still his will. You don't find his will by who got saved or who didn't get saved. He's not willing that any should perish. It is his will that all would come to the knowledge of him. No, we find his will about salvation in the book. We find his will about healing in the book. Say it out loud. It is his will for me to be healed. Now, it is his will for all to be healed. Now. Amen. Now that's not our focus, but it's also his will for you to be rich. Same Bible, same Bible that said he took your iniquities, right? He bore the chastisement of your peace. He bore your sins, why? So you could be righteous. He took your infirmities, he bore your sicknesses, he carried your pains, why? So you could be healed. Same Bible said he became poor. Hmm? So you could be rich. Am I quoting New Testament scripture? He became poor so you could be rich. You say, well, I sure don't feel rich. Well, you haven't always felt healed either. You haven't always felt saved either. Hadn't always felt righteous and forgiven either. Now have you? We walk by faith. And this is right, no matter what you feel, or John Brown feels, or Susie Q feels, no matter what they saw or didn't see, this is right. It's God's will for you to be saved, clean, righteous, holy. It's God's will for you to be healed and strong and live long. It's God's will for you to be rich. Yes, I said rich. R-I-C-H. Rich. 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 I'm quoting scripture. Rich. 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 It's not a cuss word. It's a Bible word. Get used to it. Get used to the idea of you being rich. It would be absolutely revolutionary. For people in this service tonight, if you just get up in the morning and do it every day for a number of days, at least 30 days, get up, look in the mirror and go, rich. You a rich man or a rich woman, whatever you are. Don't be confused about that either. Rich, rich man. (laughs) I'm rich. And just go around once in a while. Now, you don't have to tell other people and explain it to them, but just every once in a while go, I'm rich. I'm rich. See, you got to get used to that idea. Get your spirit open up to it. Rich. Rich is not a dollar amount. Rich is what we say every time in the offering. Always. Having all sufficiency. In all things. And abounding to every good. I mean, you got plenty for everything in every area. And putting all kind of money into the kingdom of God, right? No lack. Not coming short on anything. Rich. Rich. <laughs> Might hip run. Look over your neighbor and shake hands. Go, hi, I'm rich. Hi, I'm rich. <laughs> I'm rich. Glad to meet you, Rich. I'm rich too. In fact, this is that rich church. Rich. Rich. Glory to God. 
Thank you, Lord. Go to uh, Mark, please, the 16th chapter. Can you take another reason tonight why we are sure, why we know and are sure that it's God's will for all of us to be healed today? We have been giving you, in the process of giving you, 30 reasons from the Bible, not opinion and theory, from the Bible, 30 Three zero. Why we are sure it's God's will for all to be healed. Now, if you run across somebody that says, oh no, it's not always God's will. Then get them to give you 30 <laughs> biblical reasons. Reasons from the Bible why they are sure it's not always God's will to heal. Really? People, you know, when they want to accuse us of being in error. Well, you know, where's your scripture? So we're in the process. And our last reason, what was it, about number 17? We talked about, what was it? What was the last one? The ministry of Jesus. And we saw that he is the direct revelation of the unchanging will of God for all people for all time. We saw that he, everything he said and everything he did You're seeing God. In fact, didn't he say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Does the Father change? No, he does not. So everything Jesus did and said was and is revelation of God's will. Hmm? Did he minister healing? All the time. We just looked, we didn't look at all of them, but we saw place after place after place after place after place. He healed them every one. He healed them all. They were all healed. Every one that touched was healed. All, all. Every, every. Any, any. Every, all. Every. What idea might you get after a while? Now, if it's just God's will to heal a few, to prove a point, or to do a particular thing, why don't we see that? Why don't we see that? Why don't we see him telling people, no, I'm sorry. Now, I healed them to demonstrate something. But it's not always my will to heal. It would have sure explained everything for us, wouldn't it? Everybody would have been clear on it. But when he just goes and heals everybody, service after service, how are we going to understand and believe that it might not be his will to heal us? We could get the wrong idea. When you just keep reading, all were healed. Everybody was healed. Everybody was healed. You might get to thinking, well, hey, it's just God's will to heal everybody. Right? (laughs) And that is what we're thinking. In fact, we're sure of it. We're convinced. And let's go on. You'll see Jesus ministering healing to people. Acts 10 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all, 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 all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The Bible says everybody that Jesus healed was satanically oppressed. We're not given one example of something that God put on them. And I mean thousands upon thousands were healed in Jesus' ministry. Weren't they? And there wasn't even one that we hear about that God was teaching something and was working something out in their life. Not one that it wasn't time for them to be healed, that God was teaching and working something out and it just wasn't time yet. Not even one. Not one. Not one. Not one. 
He healed them all. And you will see there were two main ways he ministered healing to them. The spoken word and the touch of the hand. Or I should say touch. The spoken word and by touch. Oftentimes he touched them. And many times they touched him. But with the same result. Healing. Somebody say spoken word. And by the touch. Now we just got through reading in our text didn't we? How that when this man said, Lord, I know you can heal me, if you will, what did Jesus say and do? He reached out his hand. And did what? Put forth his hand and touched him. And he said, I will be clean. So here we see both of them. A touch and a spoken word. And through the touch and through the spoken word, the disease was driven out. And healing came in. Now if any of this was unnecessary. Jesus wouldn't have done it. If there was a better way. He would have done it the better way. Do we have any better example than this? If we are going to minister healing. Should we follow his example. And do it exactly the way he did it. Absolutely. Somebody say spoken word. And touch. Now we talked a while back. That we are sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed. Because of our authority. Remember that? In the name of Jesus. Well, that's a spoken word, isn't it? You speak the word in the name of Jesus. Did you know you can kill cancer in the name of Jesus? Did you know you can speak against arthritis and inflammation and poison of different kinds in your system? Uh, things that are affecting your glands. No matter what it is, people are taught to just bump along and try to bear with it the rest of you can. No, get vocal. Speak against that stuff and say, no, you don't. Not in my body. No, you don't. No, I rebuke this. The Bible said we're to bind it. That means we're to shut it down. Tie it up. Shut it down. Shut it down in Jesus' name. And so the spoken word, we see that many, many times. But we also see this. The touch. So this is our next reason. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed because of the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. Go to Mark, please. The 16th chapter. The laying on of hands. In Mark, the last chapter, chapter 16, and uh, verse 15 He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not will be damned. And these signs shall follow who? Now, is it God's will for all to be saved? According to that verse, are all going to be saved? No. What determines who's saved and who's not? Are you reading verse 16? You preach the gospel to everybody because it's available to everybody. And it's God's will for everybody to be saved. Every creation. Will everybody be saved? No. No. He said, he that believes and acts on that faith, baptized, shall be saved. He that believes not. What if you don't believe it? What if you don't receive it? Then that proves it wasn't God's will for you to be saved. No, it proves no such of a thing. 
Hmm? It still was God's will for you to be saved. Whether you believed it and received it or not. And verse 17, and these signs will follow who? Not the ones that doubt it. I've had people want to take me to task and say, well, that don't happen in our church. I say, well, y'all, do y'all preach it? No, we don't believe in it. <laughs> and then the guy thought I was being a smart aleck, but I wasn't. I was just trying to make a point. I said, well, now, that's worth thinking about. Y'all don't preach it. Y'all don't believe it. And you don't have any of it. We preach it. We believe it. And just got catalogs full of testimonies. Wonder if there's any connection here. Well, we don't believe in it because we don't see it. No, you don't see it because you don't believe it. (laughs) Well, if we saw it, we'd believe it. Now, it'd be too late to believe it. Well, seeing is believing. Absolutely not. No, you believe before you see. When you don't see is when you believe. When you see it, now you don't have to believe it. There it is. <laughs> Seeing's not believing. You believe when you don't see. How many remember what the psalmist said? I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You don't see it, then you believe it. You'll never will see it yeah. like that. Come on, come on. These signs follow arguers, skeptics, intellectuals that think they know more than the Bible. No, follow them that believe. What kind of things are going to follow them that believe? Keep reading. What? My name? They'll cast out devils? Hmm? They'll speak with new tongues. They take up serpents, drinking deadly things, and not hurt them. Look at that last part. They shall what? Believers. Of course, if you don't believe in it, you wouldn't do it. Of course, if you didn't believe in it, you wouldn't want somebody to lay hands on you either. They shall lay hands on the sick, and then it'll be up to God. And we'll see. You know, if they get healed, then we know that was the will of God. If they don't, then we know it wasn't God's will. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> We're supposed to lay hands on people, believers, in faith. James says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Well, what if I don't know as a minister who it's God's will to heal and who it's not? How do I know who to lay hands on? Hmm? Somebody says, well, just lay hands on everybody and leave it up to God. No, now, if it's not the will of God for them to be healed, I ought not be laying hands on them trying to get them out of the will of God. Amen. <laughs> See, people don't even believe this theirself. They'll tell you, I, I guess it's not the will of God, and then they'll go to the doctor. Come on. Spend all their money, right? <laughs> Trying to get out of the will of God. Yeah. Come on, now you either believe it's the will of God for you to be sick, or you don't. If you really believe it's God's will for you to be sick, don't be trying to get out of the will of God. Yeah. Stay with what you say. At least be consistent. Stay with what you say you believe. Come on. Come on. Come on, 
No, we got nothing against doctors. We thank God for doctors. They're fighting the same thing we are. Right? Disease is not from God. No, we thank God for them. We're all fighting the same thing. Right? Let's overcome. Let's stay alive. Let's live some more. Let's beat this thing. So that's why it's not wrong to go to the doctor. It's not wrong to try to help yourself. Because it never was the will of God for you to be sick. Doctors and nurses are not fighting the will of God. If they really were good Christians, they'd have to pray before they went in every room. Lord, should I try to help this man? Because if it's not your will, I don't want to be trying to get him out of the will of God. They ought to stop before the, the doctor ought to stop before he goes in every room. Before he takes every case. You come to the doctor, you got symptoms, okay, but now I'm a Christian. So before I try to treat you, let's see if it's God's will for you to be healed or not. <laughs> I know this sounds humorous, but how many know you're not supposed to just believe something in church? If you really believe it in church, then you ought to believe it at the doctor's office too. How can I lay hands on people and confidently expect them to be healed if it might not be his will to heal them? And I don't know which ones to pray for. I'd have, healing lines would take a long time, wouldn't it? I'd come and I'd go, Lord, yes or no? Hmm? Stand there for an hour for a minute. Yes or no, Lord? But I don't. I don't want to get them out of your will. It'd be just as foolish to have people come down to the front to give their hearts to the Lord. And before you'd pray the sinner's prayer with them to go, I don't know now, Lord, I don't want to. Is it your will for them to be saved? Are they predestined to hell? Because I don't want to pray with them and get them out of your will. I mean, I want to fight against you. I mean, if you have already marked them for hell, then people believe this. Millions of people believe what you're laughing about right now. They do. They do. Now, when you say it like this, they don't like you to say it like that, but they believe it. That's right. Well, just pray for me, and whatever is God's will, we'll find out. No, I, no, that's not okay. We don't have to live such a dark, vain, shot in the dark. Let's just give it a shot and see whatever, you know. No. We can pray with confidence. We can lay hands on people with confidence. Why? He wouldn't tell you to pray for somebody for something that it might not be his will to give them. He wouldn't tell you to lay hands on somebody for healing and it might not be his will for them to be healed. He never would have told us that. Well, let's look at the laying on of hands. Mark sixteen eighteen. The NIV says, They will place their hands on sick people. And they will get well. I think we've heard this so much till we've lost our excitement about it. And I want us to get it renewed tonight. Jesus, the head of the church, said, believers will place their hands on sick people. Didn't say preachers. Didn't say pastors. Are you a believer? Anybody here you a believer? You got hands? Hold them up. Did Jesus tell you that as a believer, you could place your hands on sick people 
And what did he say would happen? They will get well. The new century said they will touch the sick and the sick will be healed. Glory to God. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, I tried that, Brother Keith, and it didn't work. When did you decide it didn't work? When did you decide that? Well, I tried it, Brother Keith, and, and I mean, we, they got worse the next day. So, what does that mean? He didn't say the symptoms would go away in a second. Hmm? He didn't say the symptoms would only improve after you did. Come on now, y'all with me or not? Tell me what he said. They shall recover. And if you believe that, you ought to believe it with every fiber of your being. Right? As long as you're standing around and able to believe. They shall recover. See, the problem is people walk by sight, don't they? They try something, they pray a prayer, they do something, and then they back up to look to see if it's true or not. You should have already decided that it's true when you read it in the book. Huh? And it's not going to change no matter what you see or feel. Brother uh, Ray McCauley out in South Africa he was having a, an open air meeting for to pray for the sick, and invited people. Everybody come. Anything wrong with you? Come. We'll pray. You'll be healed. Well, the media heard about it and wanted to try to make him look bad, and so they came out and tried to, you know, they, he did agree to do an interview, and it sounded like it was going to be okay. But then they had an ulterior motive. They wanted to get in the middle of it and try to turn it on him, you know. And um, so, in one part, they stuck the mic in his face. They said. You say that God will heal anybody. He said, that's right. God will heal anybody. The Bible says so. What about AIDS? Yeah, God heal AIDS. What about this? What about that? You said medical science has no cure, and you're saying you do? He said, God can heal anything. Not time to back off now. They said, well, what if you pray and they don't get healed? And they're no better. What if you pray and they don't get any better? He said, well, they're no worse. Well, what if you pray for them and they die? He said, well, the cemetery is full of people that the doctors tried to help. Why aren't you interviewing them? Just because the doctors have tried to help a lot of people and they died doesn't mean that it's wrong to try to help people get healed. Right? So we're saying, yeah, stay with it. Stay with it, men and women, doctors, nurses. Stay with it. It's right. Hmm? Of course, now, did you know? I'll tell you a little secret. None of us are going to make it out of this. The Lord tarries is coming. None of us are making it out of here alive. (laughs) The Lord tarries is coming just a little bit. You're not going to live down here 300 years. Hmm? 
your dog's going to die. Your parrot and your goldfish and your flowers and you. <laughs> nothing to be afraid of. I said it is absolutely nothing to be afraid of. But the devil has no right. Rob from us the days that we're supposed to have down here. God has given us long life. He bought it. He paid for it. He bought our healing. He paid for it. We have a right to it. And so it is honorable to stand and hold fast to the word of God. No matter what you see or feel or somebody else sees or feels, you hold fast to it. I don't care how broke you are and how low you're living. You need to be saying, I'm rich. He's made me rich. And you say, I don't care what it looks like the next three months, six months, or six years. You keep saying it. You keep believing it. Right? We've already decided this is true. We know it before we see anything or feel anything. It is true. Listen to these verses. Don't try to turn to these. Just listen. Well, if you're fast, you can turn. <laughs> Mark 1. Mark 1. Because there will be some others in this same area I do want you to look at. So, This is what we read about in Luke, but it's Mark's account. Jesus moved with compassion, verse 41. Put forth his hand. Touched him. Said to him, I will be thou clean. Mark 5, 23, I'm going to move through these pretty quick. I just want you to hear them. Let these words get in you. They besought Jesus greatly in verse 23 of Mark 5. He said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Verse 27, this woman with the issue of blood came in the press behind and touched his garment. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. He turned about, verse 30, said, who touched my clothes? Verse 31, who touched me? Something was happening through the touch. Uh, before we go further, well, go to Mark 7. This is so big. The Lord helps me. So I get to studying and get a seminar. <laughs> and supposed to condense it to the one service, you know. Anyhow, the Lord helps us, doesn't he? In Mark 7, verse 32, they bring to Jesus one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to do what? What they want him to do? They want him to put his hand on him. Why? Why? Well, so, well, who wouldn't want Jesus, the Son of God, to put his hand on him? They didn't know he was the Son of God. They didn't see him that way. They saw him, at best, most of them, as a prophet. But why would they want him to put his hand on them? Do you remember what the Bible tells us Jesus preached? We have reason to believe he did this numerous times. He took the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he found the place where it was written. And he said the spirit of the Lord. Is on me. Because he's anointed me. 
He'd preach that. Hmm? Then he'd say, this scripture today is fulfilled right here, right now. In your, what does that mean? I'm anointed. The Spirit of God's on me. The anointing. And he preached about it. And you know he did a good job. So powerfully. And so anointed. By the time he got through, you know what the crowd's wanting to do? They're wanting to touch him. I mean, you can read it, can't you? Masses of people wanted to touch him. Or get him to touch them. Why? The anointing. They heard. And, they, you know, as times went on, there's stories everywhere of people that touched and got healed. People he touched and got healed. And just hearing that, people had come and please touch him. That's what they did. They brought this man to him. What are they saying? Would you put your hand on him? Hmm? Put your hand on him, please. He took him aside from the multitude. He put his fingers into his ears and spit and touched his tongue. Well, this is touching. Fingers in the ears. Touching his tongue. Somebody said, spit. Spit. That's what it says. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. And straightway immediately his ears were open and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plain. Well, you can't argue with that. No matter what you thought about the method, that's it. <laughs> Must have been right. But touch, somebody say touch. Did you remember, I know you do. That you and I are made in the image of God. Why are we the shape that we are? Why not two heads, four arms, and one leg? Hmm? Why not three ears and two noses? Why not one eye? We are patterned after God himself. We're made in his likeness and his image. Did you remember reading about the Bible talks about God's hands? That he has hands. Go with me if you would. To uh, two places in the Old Testament. It's important to take the time and do it. Now have you got time for this tonight? I I hope you do. Because this is wonderful. Malachi 4. And we're going to find Habakkuk 3. In fact go to Habakkuk first. Now I know that may be back there. Where your pages are stuck together. But uh, you need to get them unstuck tonight. Get back there and find it. If you don't know where it is. Then uh. Look on with your neighbor. Say, help me, please. Somebody help me. Find Habakkuk. <laughs> Somebody know where it is? If you start in Malachi, if you go to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, and you start backing up, you'll find Zechariah. Then you just keep on going, keep on going, and you'll find what? Haggai. And then keep on going, you'll find Zephaniah, and then, lo and behold, Habakkuk 3. Are you there? Habakkuk 3. Verse 3. God, who? God God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. And his brightness was as the light. How many know he is light? In him there is no darkness at all. Not even a shadow of turning with him. He had horns coming out of his hand. Coming out of what? 
Well, he has a hand. Verse 3 said, God came from Timon. And brightness was as the light. Horns coming out of his hand. The margin of my Bible says bright beams. Horns coming out of his hand. And there was the hiding place of his power. Where? His hands. Hiding place of his power. Power came out of his hands. And what happened? Verse 5. Before him went to pestilence. Didn't stay. It went. Why? Because power is coming. Oh, glory to God. Healing power comes in. Pestilence goes out. And the power come out of his hands. And burning coals went forth at his feet. Now, once in a while you'll see something that says disease, but most of them say burning coals. Anyway, it's, it says went. Pestilence went. Right? The other went. Somebody say went. It went. Went means it left. It's gone. Listen to some other translations. Young's literal says, uh, the Holy One from Mount Paran covered the heavens has his majesty. His praise has filled the earth. The brightness is as the light. He has rays, R-A-Y-S, rays out of his hand. Now, Young's literal is one of the most accurate uh, that there is. Same man, you know, that has Young's concordance. Don't you think he'd know a thing or two about the language? Raise out of his hand the hiding of his strength. Before him goes pestilence and burning flame goes forth at his feet. Glory to God. Now you have to interpret scripture in the light of other scriptures. Have you read about the God's enemies melting at the presence of the Lord? Hmm? God's power, his light is manifest and darkness flees. I mean, when God comes in, it's like turning on the light in a roach infested apartment. What happens? <laughs> I mean, when the light comes on, scatters, and that's what happens when God comes in. When he manifests, demons can't hang around. Don't you remember when Jesus, after he came out of the wilderness and all this anointing came on, the Holy Ghost came on him in the shape and form as a dove. All this anointing and power came on him. And he came into the synagogue and demons cried, ah, 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 what, what have you, you come to hurt us, you've come to torment us, ah. That anointing is in you. That a same Holy Ghost. But we must believe in it. We must yield to it. And that anointing was being ministered through touch in Jesus' ministry. Oh, can you see this? And he says specifically that in his hands, God's hands, the hiding place of his power. But what if God, who lives in you, wanted to touch somebody and minister anointing to them? Should not be a thing thought strange that he'd want to touch with his hand through your hand. Since you made like him, you got a hand like him. 
And can you see how they're saying after just a short time in the ministry, oh, Master, put your hand on him. Would you put your hand on him? Put your hand on him. Would you touch him? And he did. And they were healed. And he told us, believers, believers, hold them up again. Are you a believer? You got hands? What did he say? Believers would lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You're in a situation, somebody needs help, you don't need to call me. Huh? You're a believer. You got hands. That verse is not to preachers. It's to believers. And at his power, the pestilence went out. Go to Malachi 4. You'll see a confirmation of this. In uh, Malachi, fourth chapter, verse 2. Under you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And you'll go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Let me read that to you from another translation. For you who obey me, my saving power will rise on you like the sun. And bring healing like the sun's rays. Where do those rays come out of? That other verse we read said out out of his hands was the hiding place of his power. You'll be as free and happy as calves let out of a stall. Anybody ever seen a calf that's been well fed, well cared for, but he's kept up? You ever seen when they're turned loose? (laughs) We used to have a little dairy. So I saw it many times. I mean, they, those, those, you know, they grow like a weed and and you're feeding them and feeding them and they're just fat and healthy, but they're in the stall. And then you got that nice pasture. And they're eating on their own now real good and they're strong enough to get out of the stall. Hey, anybody ever seen it besides me? You let that calf out of the stall, what you going to see? There'll be a little spurt and jump, and then they'll look around. No walls. So they'll jump a little bit more. And oh, you never saw such jumping and bucking and kicking and running. The Lord said, Healing came out of him like sunbeam rays and caused you and me to jump out of there (laughs) like a calf out of a stall. Why? Because when his power comes in, the disease goes out. When his strength comes in, the weakness goes out. Glory to God. Somebody say, I believe in the power of God. I believe in the anointing. Let me keep reading this to you. Other translation. The New English says, For you who respect my name. Now you've got to believe in this, don't you? These signs follow them that believe. You've got to respect the anointing. You've got to respect laying on of hands. 
The sun of vindication will rise with healing wings. You'll skip about like calves released from the stall. Another one said, you'll jump around like well-fed calves. You'll be as free and happy as calves let out of a stall. You'll go forth and gamble like calves released from the stall and leap for joy. You'll go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to the pasture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Kick your leg a little bit. <laughs> I think there ought to be a lot of jumping and bucking and, and skipping. This is Bible. This is not fantasy. This is not imagination. This is Bible. Under you that fear my name. Is that you? Come on. How many reverence him and respect him and his holy thing? Under you, the son of righteous will arise. With healing like sunbeams. And you will go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. 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 Go back to Mark 7, if you kept your place there. Otherwise, just go to Mark 8. Mark 8. That's where we're going. Jesus laid hands on people. We practice this today, don't we? We're a church that believes in this, practices this. We lay hands on each other. Ministry ministers like this. I want you to notice something interesting here. In Mark, the seventh chapter, they said, put your hand on him. He did, and he was healed. Similar thing here in Mark 8. Mark 8, verse 22. Are you there? Mark 8, 22. Jesus comes to Bethsaida. They bring a blind man to him. And besought him to touch him. What do they want? They want him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand. So he's already touching him. Right? And he led him out of town. Do you know sometimes you got to get people away from other people in order to get them helped? Because they are surrounded with unbelief and fear. Did you know in order sometimes to help people, you got to get them away from their own family? Hmm? I've seen it. I've seen people get tremendous help. And then as soon as they got back with their family, just start going down again. Because they just live in a pool of fear and unbelief. That's sad, but uh, it's so. That's why you need a good church. That's why you need a bunch of good faith buddies and faith friends, right? People that will stand with you, believe with you, and not ask you a thousand times a day, how do you feel? I mean, you look bad. Come on now, don't give me all that faith talk. How do you really feel? Friend, you don't need that. 
You already know how you feel. (laughs) Talking about it ain't going to make you feel any better about how you feel. But faith will. Talking the word will. He took him by the hand. He led him out of town. He spit on his eyes. And he put his hands on him. Somebody say put his hands on him. He put his hands on him and asked him if he saw aught. He looked up. He said, I see men like trees walking. Well, he was blind. Now he sees something. But he doesn't see right. Men look to him like trees. Well, I guess they're fuzzy and distorted. And he does something here that I think we hadn't talked about enough. Verse 25, after that, he did what? Put his hands again on his eyes. Well, now, why would he do that? Why would he do that? I mean, if he believed he received and he released his faith, isn't that it? He put his hands on him again. Somebody say again. Again. Jesus put his hands on him and he couldn't see, but he can see some. He put his hands again on him and made him look up. He said, now look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly, crystal clear. Let me talk about this just a little bit. There's been some confusion about this. You don't want to try to receive, believe you, you know, receive your healing in the sense of trying to get God to heal you. Did you hear that phrase? Trying to get God to heal you over and over and over. There are people that come to get prayed for and they come to get hands laid on them or they ask somebody to pray with them and then they check to see if they got healed and well, I didn't get healed. So do it again. And do it again. And do it again. You do not want to do that. You can get further from it the more you go. Because you're walking completely about. When are you going to believe that you're healed? But now here's the thing. God doesn't have to do anything in order to heal you and me. It has already been done. Hasn't it? Jesus, long ago, before you and I were ever born, he took all of our infirmities. He bore all of our sicknesses and carried all of our pains. He had already bought and paid for your healing. It was already his will to do it before he did it, obviously. And he's done it. And it's done. Likewise, he has already taken all the sins of everybody on the planet. Hasn't he? He does not need to do one thing to save anybody on the planet. He has already done it. And many, you know, millions of people are praying, please God save my sister. Please God save my daddy. Please God save my, he already has. That's really not the way to pray. Please God save. You're trying to get him to do something else to save them. He already has paid the price for all their sins. Well, somebody said, well, then they'll automatically be saved. No. They must believe it. And they must receive it. What God has given by His grace must be received by our faith. 
So here, he ministers to this man and he receives some. And then he ministers to him again and he receives the rest of it. But we were not trying to talk God into healing either time. Oh, can you see that? Anointing is real. Healing power is real. Laying on of hands is one of the, Hebrews 6 is one of the foundational principles of the doctrine of Christ. It's mentioned along with baptisms. It's mentioned along with repentance. Isn't it? And faith. And judgment to come. Laying on of hands is a holy, foundational, basic part of the teachings of the Christ. And Jesus practiced it. And other people in the book of Acts practiced it. Paul laid hands on people. Laid hands on people to get healed and get filled with the Spirit. They laid hands on people who were being set apart for ministry. Remember he told Timothy one time, he said, stir up the gift of God. That was in you by the laying on of hands. When he and others of the eldership of the ministry laid hands on him. Something came into him that he didn't have before. That equipped him and enabled him for ministry. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank God for the laying on of hands. Thank God for healing power. Everybody stand up on your feet. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Close your eyes, everybody. Say it out loud, believers. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Hallelujah. Say it again, believers. Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.